Today, I want to touch on a sermon called The Honor Role of Faith from Romans chapter 16. There are so many names there. But let me begin with a simple story. There was a story told of a 65-year-old lady started learning to swim instead of her usual routine of going to bingo. And everyone was curious and asked her why the change in your interests. The lady with a look of helplessness replied, You see, whenever my son and daughter-in-law quarrel with each other, my daughter-in-law always asks my son, if your mom and I fall into water, which one would you say first? (laughs) So because I do not want to put my son in a difficult position, I'm learning to swim. So a few days later, her son and his wife were quarreling again. And the daughter-in-law once again unreasonably asked, Now tell me if your mom and I fall into the water, whom will you say first? The husband replied, You know what? I don't have to get into the water now. Because my mom knows how to swim and she will save you. (laughs) And then the wife refused to relent. No, you have to jump into the water and you have to save only one of us. Which one will it be? And the husband simply said, Well, you can't swim. I can't swim. You are going to die. If I jump into the water, you bet my mother will save me first. (laughs) You know, relationship is very complex, isn't it? Uh, a man always sandwiched between mother and wife uh, is a, one of the most difficult sandwich of all, in a sense. Relationships require wisdom. Uh, they can be satisfying, they can be filled with promise, but they can also be unpredictable and full of danger. And the self-help section of any bookstore can testify to the challenges of relationship. Because it is difficult, it is challenging. Nevertheless, it is essential for wholesome living. Relationship is important. Someone say, it is healthier. It is healthier to eat potato chips with friends than to eat broccoli alone. It just underscores the importance of relationship. And yet, we all know relationship can be a problem, not just only in family. It can also in churches. Churches can also be a platform for a lot of relationship struggle. Even as a pastor, sometimes it's so difficult to preach because sometimes what we preach about, people get offended. I once, in the early days of Sun Life, I said something over the pulpit. Uh, I said it before. I quoted a Reformed scholar by the name of R.C. Sproul that simply said, We are sinners not because we sinned. We sin because we are sinners. Sin is embedded in us. Sin is born in us. It's not a learned activity. It's not something that you learn. Christian believes that it is born. You are born sinners, whether you like it or not. And this man came to me and said, I don't like what you say. I disagree with you. I say, well, this is what the Word of God says. I say, I only preach what the Word of God says. That sin is inbuilt in us. I take as a pastor of Oscar Romario, 
the bishop, archbishop of uh, El Salvador, champion for the poor. And this is what he said. He said, a church that doesn't provoke any crisis, a gospel that doesn't unsettle, a word of God that doesn't get under anyone's skin, a word of God that doesn't touch the real sin of the society in which it is being proclaimed, what gospel is that? Very nice, pious considerations that don't bother anyone. That's the way many would like preaching to be. Those preachers who avoid every thorny matter so as not to be harassed, so as not to have conflicts and difficulties, they do not light up the world they live in. Because the nature of the gospel is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. That is the priest's job and that's the job of every Christian for that matter is to offer hope and consolation to those who are hurting while standing strong against the evil of injustice and oppression and selfish pursuit. And so Paul, what am I getting into? Paul in Romans chapter 16 listed down about 33 names, those very difficult names to pronounce. 33 names. And today I'm only covers verse 1 to verse 16. And in that 16 verses, there are about 24 names and 17 men and 7 women. I'm going to spend two, hour, uh, two minutes and 15 seconds. <laughs> two minutes and 15 seconds to read through those 16 verses. They are all names. And I believe in an inspired word of God. Every word in the Bible is inspired. And I want you to pay attention to what Paul say about that certain person. Seven women and women are highly commended. And so I want to read to you. So, verse 1 says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in St. Creel. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people, and to give her any help she may need from you. Why? For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Amphanatus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampelitus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet 
a palace whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphana and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Syncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Well, we, we can say that of you as well in this church. Uh, all these people, who, all of you who work hard and serve, who roll up your sleeve, who want to play a part in this community, use your gift to serve this community. And this morning, I just want to give you three points. And uh, there are three groups of people here that we can categorize. All, in some sense, they are all the same. They're just as a way to zoom it in. The first one is the, they serve. This group of people that I've just read to you, they serve the Lord. If there's one thing that grabs our attention above all else as we read through this passage, it is that these people were active in the service of Christ. They labored for the Lord. It didn't matter whether they were male or female, because it is included there. It didn't matter whether they were slave or free, it's included there. It doesn't matter whether they were rich or poor, they were there. It didn't matter whether they came from Jewish, Latin, or Greek stock, but the name, we can tell the difference as well. It didn't matter they were commoners or members of the imperial household that were there. One of their priorities is in life was to invest their time and energies in using their gifts to serve the Lord. Look at Phoebe. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Phoebe, many scholars said that she was the one who brought the letter written by Paul to the Roman church. Uh, it has also been said that she was a, quite a wealthy, upper-class businesswoman who was visiting Rome in conjunction with her business. And so she was the one who collected the letter from Paul who wrote sometime in, in, in Corinth and transported to Rome. Her business undoubtedly kept her busy, but she was never too busy to find ways to serve the Lord. And we can say that of you as well, some of you here. You're busy with your work and all that, but you schedule, you set aside time that you want to serve the Lord. And then you see there is Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila, they are more uh, well-known to uh, associate of Paul in some sense. They were renowned for their hospitality. They, like Paul, they were tent makers in Acts chapter 18. We read about that. They often opened their home to Paul when he visited Corinth. Uh, it says here as well, uh, they are again, once again, opening up their house 
to uh, people. It's a great also the church that meets at their house of uh, Aquila and Priscilla. And they later accompanied Paul on his missionary journey to Ephesus. And while in Ephesus, he discipled, they discipled this guy called Apollos. Some people believe that Apollos was the author of the letter of Hebrews. We're not sure, but Hebrews must be written by someone who has a wealth of knowledge of Judaism, Jewish festival, and all that. And most people believe that it was Apollo because he was very eloquent in uh, Acts chapter 18. He was mighty in the scripture, fervent in the spirit, and Aquila and Priscilla took him under their wings and actually discipled him. And then you have Mary who worked very hard for you. So every marriage should work very hard. <laughs> work very hard for you. And then you read about Urbanus and Stachus and then Tryphena and Tryphosa. A lot of people say they were twins. They also worked hard in the Lord. And Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. For some reason, Paul only mentioned women who works very hard. I'm not too sure why. <laughs> but women does work very hard in that sense. It's true. God gives you uh, special gifts that you can multitask. Unfortunately, men only single task. And even single task also, they don't do very well. But women, they are multitask, their antenna is very high, they can discern things that sometimes men are unable to do that. Uh, so Paul said they work very hard um, for the Lord. And then you have down in Rufus, Rufus chosen in the Lord and his mother who was not named, who has been a mother to Paul as well. So uh, Rufus, we know a little bit about him, but we are not very certain because Mark chapter 15, remember Simon of Cyrene, the last uh, few hundred meters where Jesus could no longer carry the cross. And there's this guy that came along called Simon of Cyrene, helped to carry the cross for Jesus. It is said that Simon of Cyrene, he is the father of Alexander and Rufus. So many scholars believe that this Rufus is the Simon of Cyrene's son. So Rufus mentioned here is Simon's son, and his wife, Simon's wife, is like a mother to Paul. Maybe as a result of Simon carrying the cross, and at the start saw Jesus dying, that sight uh, stirred him and uh, converted him. So here we have a little bit more information. You know, there's so much to do in our day nowadays. We are so busy. We are so busy. We only have so much time, so, many, so much emotional energy that we can invest in things. Um, so many things clamoring for our time and attention. Uh, work, hobbies, sports, entertainment, travel. And it's easy for us to wrap in them and there is no time left to serve the Lord. But here, we have here in this church, many of you here, uh, roll up your sleeve and help us to make this community possible. And we cannot be thankful enough for you. I pray that you continue to use your gift to serve the Lord. Have you heard of the story about a story happened in an ancient village in Spain? 
the villagers learn that a king would pay a visit to their village. And in a thousand years, a king had never come to that village at all. So excitement grew, and then the town leaders said, we must throw a big celebration, and the villagers all agreed. But it was a very poor village, and there weren't many resources. So someone came up with a classic idea, a very good idea. He said, since many of the villagers made their own wines, the idea was for everyone in the village to bring a large cup of their choice wine to the town square. We'll pour it into the large vat and then offer it to the king for his pleasure. When the king draws the wine to drink, it will be very best he's ever tasted. So the day before the king's arrival, hundreds of people lined up to make their offering to the honored guests. They climb a small stairway and pour their gift of, through a small opening at the top of their wine. Just one large cup each. And finally, the vet was full. The king arrived, was escorted to the square, given a silver cup, and was told to draw some wine which represented the best the villagers had. He placed the cup under the spigot, turned the handle, and then drank the wine. But it was nothing more than water. You see, every villager had risen. I withhold my best wine in the vat. The king will never know the difference. After all, there are so many cups. My cup of water, no difference anyway. But the problem we've forgotten is that most people think alike. Because we're all cut from the same piece of cloth. It's not just you. Everybody is the same. Maybe make into a dress or a pants or a blouse, but the material is the same. Everyone thought the same thing. And everybody just brought a cup of water. And as a result, the king was greatly dishonored. I pray that this will not be our case. I pray that whatever gifts that God has blessed you with, whatever experiences that you have gained over your life, use it to serve God. Use it. Small ministry. Just serve whatever you can with the gift that you can. We don't have to compare. We don't have to say why this person is not doing that. Just do your bit and serve our King, Jesus. Secondly, we can say that there are also some people in this group, they actually sacrifice. Sacrifice. Not just only they serve, they sacrifice. There are many people who sacrifice. And here we see again uh, Priscilla and Aquila. It says here, greet Priscilla and Aquila my co-workers in Christ Jesus, they risk their lives for me. Not only I, but the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. What exactly they risk their lives, we do not know. But they risk their lives they, for Paul. Maybe it was the situation riots in Ephesus that we read about in Acts. There was a riot, and they risked their lives to protect Paul. 
And then you have Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews. We do not know whether uh, Junia is a is a male or female. Most people do not know. If uh, they were, they probably a couple. And here it says, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. For whatever reason, again, they were in prison with Christ. They sacrificed. And Paul said they are outstanding, outstanding apostles. And they were Christian. They became Christian before Paul was. So probably they were there during the, uh, uh, the Pentecost time. And some even said that they may be the one that went on to plant the church in Rome. Because that church is not planted by Paul. So it could be these two that went and took the gospel to Rome, but we are not entirely sure about that at all. But here they were in prison with Paul. Sacrifice. You know, some people sacrifice. Martin Luther said, a religion that gives nothing, that costs nothing, and suffers nothing, it is worth nothing. And sometimes sacrifice is needed. In our lives, we need to sacrifice. What is worth is worth sacrificing for it. And you will come to know that what appears today to be a sacrifice will prove instead to be the greatest investment that you will ever make. You don't know at that time, but a later part of the years, you know that it's the best investment that you have put in. It may be a sacrifice, but it is the best investment that you have ever made. When I uh, was young, I listened to a song by Bobby Michael. He suffered heart attack in, uh, in Cambodia because he was very active with uh, ministry. Bobby Michael, a singer, American singer. I used to listen to this song when I was traveling in a train. Uh, 20 years old, I was in the army. We booked out on Saturday morning. And Sunday evening, you have to return back to the camp and I have to take this train for one hour ride. I used to put on those days my Walkman, no more Walkman, uh, Walkman with cassette tape. And I used to shut my eyes with my army uniform, sitting there, listening, meditating on this touching song that each time I listen to it, it stirs my heart. And the title of the song is called Anything That Costs Me Nothing. Anything that costs me nothing. And this is what it says. It says, I cannot come before my righteous holy Lord and offer to him worldly things I do not need and hope he's pleased. For he wants me to give a heart that's truly his, an offering of the highest price, a servant whom the Lord can use. I will not offer anything that costs me nothing. I place before him nothing less than my very best. And if I'm called to sacrifice, it will be worthy of my Christ. I will not offer anything that costs me nothing. To serve him is my goal. How could I withhold? Whatever's mine he's given me is not my own, it's his alone. Whatever he requires, it is my desire. Whatever he may need, me, need from me, I'll pay the cost, gain or loss. I will not offer anything that costs me nothing. I'll place before him nothing less than my very best. 
And if I'm called to sacrifice, it will be worthy of my Christ. I will not offer anything that costs me nothing. At Bible College, in the lecture hall, in my old, in Lilydale, in the lecture hall, you sit down, you face the lecturer. But when you turn and leave, there's this beautiful verse on top of that door. And it is this verse. It's by King David. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Because he wanted to buy the threshing floor to offer a sacrifice to God from Aruna. And Aruna said, Hey, the king, David, you are my king. You want this land, you can have this land. I can give you this land. You don't need to pay for it. But David said, No. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing at all. I want to pay for it, King David says. And he paid for it and offered sacrifice to the Lord. I'll never forget this verse. 2 Samuel 24, 24. And it has always been my life verse that service to the Lord always costs. Always costs. Never serve God just out of convenience. Go to the level of sacrifice. The third group of people that was mentioned here is that they remain steadfast. Remain steadfast. They serve, they sacrifice, they remain steadfast. Immovable. Are you immovable as in your faith in the Lord? Immovable as what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15? Immovable. A palace whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. He must have under a lot of persecution, maybe to renounce his faith, but he stood the test. Being tested and approved would imply he was subjected to difficult circumstances possibly persecution or imprisonment, but had passed the test and remained true to Christ through it all. No wonder he made this honor roll of saints. Some versions say approve, some versions say stood the test. That was a word used of verifying a coin to prove their authenticity. That is the root word of the word approve or stood the test. is to prove the authenticity of a coin. A palace had been put to the test and he had not wavered. He was part of a crowd that was serving Jesus under the most difficult of circumstances imaginable. They live in a time when to be a Christian could cost a person his life and yet they stood. And I think we are not too far away nowadays. The environment that we live in is pretty hostile, isn't it? That we talk about standing up to your faith. That is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, towards the end of his exaltation of resurrection and all that, he says, stand firm, let nothing move you. Be steadfast and be immovable because your service to the Lord is never in vain. Let nothing move you. 
You know, my friend, people may hurt you, but God will heal you. Heal you. People may humiliate you, but God will honor you. People will judge you, but God will justify you. He will justify you. So don't worry about what people think or say in life. Be deaf and just focus on serving the Lord. Be immovable. Let nothing move you and stand firm for the Lord. So there you go. The three uh, groups of people, they are all in the same sense, uh, same group of people. They are all serving the Lord. They sacrifice for the Lord. They remain steadfast. And that is why Paul thanked them. And I want to do likewise to thank you uh, for serving the Lord, for playing your part this year in this community. And next year, we hope that more will come forward to serve because the fact of the matter is you cannot expand anything without any helpers. We always remain the same unless we have people come forward. And in January, I will hand out something for you to look at it and see which area that you are able to fill in. So thank you for serving the Lord, for sacrificing, for remaining steadfast. I want to finish this morning with, by reading to you a poem. A Soldier in the Army of God. The title of the poem is called A Soldier in the Army of God. I may offend some by reading this, but read in this context, all right? In this context. In this context. This person says, I'm a soldier in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be walked out, or pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If God needs me, I am there. I'm not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, pet, prim up, pump up, pick up, or pep up. I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp. I'm in place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, not building up his kingdom. This is where no one needs to send me flowers, gifts, food, or candy. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered for. I'm committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into his army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I will still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all of my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. 
Battle cannot beat me, money cannot buy me, governments cannot silence me, and hell cannot handle me. I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me, for when my commander calls me for this battlefield, I'm a soldier in the army. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I'm a soldier, marching heaven-bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for those soldiers uh, who are mentioned in Romans 16. As a result of their effort, we have today as a result of them serving you as a result of them sacrificing as a result of them remaining steadfast we are here and I thank you for people in this church Pathway Baptist Church there are so many soldiers here there are so many warriors here and because they continue to serve you because they continue to sacrifice and because they continue to remain steadfast, we light the torch for future generation. So help us, dear Jesus, to fix our eyes on you as we rededicate our lives today to you and pledge that we are soldiers. Soldiers serving Jesus. And we will continue to fight this race, run this race, however difficult it may be in this society that we live in, we shine for you. Dear Lord, to God be the glory, great things he had done.